I suppose in time we always look at government to make change, but at the ultimate, at the end of the day, you know, the change has to come from people, and, and the government then reacts to the people's demands. Today on Dirty Linen, we are continuing the big, important, messy topic of food waste and sustainability. We're talking to an innovator in this area. Her name is Natalie Saru, and she is the founder of Forkful, uh, which aims to fill your belly and save the planet at the same time. Sounds like a great concept. Welcome to Dirty Linen, Natalie. Thanks. Hi. Thanks for having me. I'm thrilled to have you on the show. And yeah, I was um, realized that we were actually in touch about a year ago when you were launching Forkful. Um, yeah, as I scrolled back through my Instagram. Uh, so yeah, you've been in this space for a while. I'd love you to tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, cool. Thanks. Um, and I did, I think, uh, when we first went into that really prolonged lockdown in Melbourne, we had just finished building our, our beta platform um, and, you know, we, we were seeing posts and hearing from friends in the industry about, oh, my gosh, I've got all this stock and what am I going to do? I suppose it was the realisation that people are left with with so much with not many options. Um, and so uh, from where we've come to from there, that I suppose COVID kind of killed our vibe for a little bit and um, put us into hibernation mode. But it it probably turned out to be quite advantageous in the end because it gave us the chance to really talk to people in the industry about problems that they were having or had had before COVID. Um, And, you know, particularly we focus around, you know, that selling of that surplus food, that end of day trade that, you know, you're closing your doors at four or five o'clock and you've still got stock ready, um, even down to, you know, chefs that had ordered stock for particular menu items that they had decided not to put on the menu that week and, gosh, what am I going to do with all this stock? So it gave us time to really speak to people and understand where the problem lied. Um, did people recognise that it was a big enough problem? Um, and and how do we help fix them? And, and how do we help fix it? And, and what is the solution? So we've, we were really fortunate enough to do a couple of great programs um, and the last one being the, the Rocket Seater program, which we've just finished. Um, and we now officially launched in our um, City of Darabin trial, which is great. Oh, congratulations on, on launching and being part of Rocket Cedar, um, which is, I guess, an incubator for projects with, uh, yeah, these kind of values or these kind of ambitions to reduce food waste. Um, yeah. And yeah, do good things in the food space. So, I mean, take us, take us like to really to the 101, Natalie, like what is Forkful? Yeah, cool. So um, Forkful is is basically, an we call it an effortless solution to surplus food. So it's a, a platform and it's um, kind of think of like a an Airbnb is a, is, a, is a platform. So where you're searching for something to stay, but Forkful you're searching for something to eat. Um, so we, we exist to help hospitality venues and food retailers sell their surplus food or, or menu items to consumers. Um, and the, the way that the put that, that it works is we help load up items for for our venues so we can preload a number of items they can even send us a photo on the day and say hey could you pop this up for me um, we basically then send a blast out to everyone in our community we've got about uh, seven thousand people uh, that we're doing our trial with uh, in the city of Darabin where we say hey you know your local your local cafe's got this left over um, you know buy it through our platform and make sure you go by and pick it up before they close at four o'clock so the purchaser makes their purchase and then goes directly to the venue to collect. 
yeah, super cool. So then instead of having stuff to put in the bin um, or, yeah, what else, take it home and somehow eat 20 muffins, people who've got these businesses can try to clear the shelves. Do you have a sense in these early stages of, you know, how it's working, what the uptake is? Yeah, we're going well. We've got um, we've got over 20 venues around Melbourne that have signed up to participate in our trial um, and five of those in the city of Darabin, which has been um, really promising. We've got a number of others that we're really talking to. In fact, two that last year when we when we initially approached them had said, oh, look, we're not, we're not quite sure this suits us and have coincidentally called back and said, actually, um, <laughs> we do have surplus food. We're realising now. So, you know, how can we jump on board? Um, and I think we can sort of put that down to, you know, things have changed. People are going back into the office or, or back to a, into the city. You know, the, the homeschooling isn't isn't as as prominent as what it was before. So that we're back to that that piece about how do we plan for what our day is going to be like as a venue. And what's the model like? Do you take a clip from the venues? I mean, I'm assuming the is the produce discounted, but then yeah, how does that all work? Yeah, sure. So we we um. One of the pieces that we, we worked out early on was that venues were, were tired of losing money to platforms. So we actually built a business model where we don't charge the venue so they're not out of pocket. Um, so, our, our, you know, the idea is that food is discounted. We understand that doesn't work for everybody and we encourage people to do it, but understandably that, you know, that might not suit all business models, so we put it on at full price. So we add a dollar for each item that we list on our platform that the consumer pays for when they when they make their transaction purchase. And so if I do I have to like sit around at four o'clock being hungry just waiting for it? I mean is it is it a little bit too narrow this sort of opportunity to purchase food that may be somewhat discounted? Yeah so it's um that's an interesting thought and you know, something that we looked at and we really came across this idea when we were living in Europe um, and, and a friend of ours um, in Sweden had been involved in, in a very similar startup that's now going very well out of Sweden. Uh, and it was kind of, for us, it was at that point where we were like, what are we going to have for dinner? And that was when we jumped on their iteration over there and saw what was available locally, um, that we were able to pick something up at four o'clock and have that for dinner. So, you know, I think about um, some of the early customer conversations that we've had and it's mums that are kind of like, what am I going to give my kids for lunch tomorrow? Or, you know, what can I pull together for dinner tonight? I've got, you know, half an hour between school pickups and before I need to get home and, and get things ready. So I don't, uh, I, as a, from a consumer point of view, I don't think it's that point of waiting around waiting. It's, it's how do I connect with what's available and is that going to suit my needs right now? Or, or in the immediate future that I can, ah. yeah, um, you know, I, I think. About, that does sound good. So what kinds of things could I get when I'm doing the school pickup? What sort of stuff tends to pop up? Yeah, well, one of the early conversations and one that we're hoping to get on board is that one of the big retailers who does have, I can't uh, I can't mention who they are, I'm afraid, because we're right in the middle, but um, they make fresh food every day uh, and do uh, have about a 1% loss, which represents a significant amount. Um, and uh, I think about their products and that would be great for a salad the next day for lunch for kids or uh, rice paper rolls in a, in a lunch box, for example. 
So, Natalie, you mentioned, you know, that you're in Europe when this idea sparked. I mean, what what's is, were you already working in the food waste area? Like what sort of took you down this path? Yeah, um, so my background is, is financial services, so so definitely not um, not your average hospitality transition, although I did do hospitality at William Anglis um, when I first came out of school. But my, my husband's been in hospitality his entire career uh, and in the last 11 years in, in Australia that, that he's lived here. For us, it was really um, parenthood. And I suppose as a mother, it was me thinking about what sort of future am I leaving my son and, and his kids. That was really the catalyst for me to think about what sort of things can we do to change how we're living to make make sure that our kids have got a, you know, a planet to live on. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's so interesting. It's such an interesting concept because I suppose if I was running a cafe and I noticed that every day I was putting up, you know, 15 toaster sandwiches that hadn't been toasted onto the platform, then I suppose what I would try to do is, you know, is reduce that that number. I'd, I'd well, Maybe I'd make 15 fewer sandwiches. I mean, do you feel like that's – Does you would you see that as a positive? I would see it as a positive, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if, you know, and, and part of our – what we feed back to our venues is that reporting that, you know, hey, on Wednesday you guys are selling, you know, all of all your leftover muffins. Perhaps it's not, not a muffin day on Wednesday for you. Um, but on the flip side of that, one of our venues, you know, he spoke about why he wanted to join and it was because he's a, a traditional Italian bakery um, but he doesn't make muffins. And he said, but a lot of my customers come in asking for muffins because they're from non-Italian backgrounds. And he said, but this is a great option for me because if I make muffins... And only a few customers like it, but then I'm left with a whole lot of muffins. I've got a backup option to sell them. So he he kind of sees it as a room to innovate as well and try new items that he wouldn't otherwise have on his menu. Mm, So obviously a safety net for those kinds of things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I suppose also you'd get, for a venue, you'd get new customers that would see that your products are on the platform. They might not have been there before, but then they'll learn a bit more about you and come back another time and pay full price. Absolutely. That's exactly right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when we, when we look at the, I suppose, the global space that we're operating in, there's 180 million meals around the world that have been saved using platforms like Forkful. So it's not a new concept. It's just not one that's widely practiced here. So Natalie, you know, I love the sound of Forkful. You really, yeah, explained it so beautifully. Um, and it's exciting to get a sense that it, it might grow. Like what are your hopes for the platform? Um, well, my, my hope is that, you know, even for people that don't see benefit in the platform, it, you know, from a, from a venue perspective, they can stop and think about not accepting the practice of food waste. You know, it's, it's something that's, that doesn't need to exist. Is it better to sell out something than have oversupply and throw it in the bin? And I think that's, you know, it's a whole change of behaviour. And that, that's, a big, that's a big piece to tackle uh, for one, one little one little business like thoughtful but once you start having those conversations with people it makes them stop and think about okay well maybe you know we can just produce less tomorrow so that we're not throwing it all in the bin mm. and you know from a household perspective what kinds of things do you find yourselves doing to reduce your food waste at home yeah we uh so we both come from um you know, baby boomer generation. So particularly my husband's family still lives on, on a family farm and grows most of their food. So food for us is sacrilegious. I mean, it's um, 
you know, what we have, we use. And, and, and when we've got vegetables that, you know, are looking a bit worse for wear, then it's often in a, in a stew or in a soup and, and mushed down. And that way I, I know that my, my three-year-old's getting his veggie intake, whether he knows it or not. So um, it's been interesting, I suppose, having a look at different ways that, you know, we can save food at home and then also share it. One of the things that we were talking about the other day was um, soaking bread. I mean, not many people realise that when you've got stale bread, if you put it underwater and pop it back in the oven, it actually comes out as good as gold. Yeah, that is a bit of a revolution, isn't it? I think bread in, bread in the bin just does never need to happen. No, absolutely not. Yeah, and croutons are great too. I'm often chopping bread up and making croutons and, um, yeah, pop them in a salad and they're guaranteed to go. And um, the other one is a panzarella with some fresh tomatoes, chucky crusty bread in. It's beautiful. Yeah, no, very, very good. And what else have you seen, Natalie, whether it's at Rocket Cedar or through other work, you know, just travelling around this food waste space? What other things have you seen that have been really inspiring? Yeah, there's there's a couple of really um, really cool ideas that I like. So, uh, you know, obviously you've got Reground um, also out of Melbourne. Um, there's a, a great really yes. Reground, so reground, um, so they're coffee beans. So they basically come and take your coffee beans uh, from cafes and venues to divert them from food waste, um, and they turn them into recycling. Um, there's a, a um, Cirque du Soil, which is a, run by a really passionate lady called Jean uh, in the city of Yarra, and they collect food waste uh, that can't be eaten or, or, or reused and turn that into compost for local. Uh, compost gardens um there's another great um a lady called Naomi out of Sydney and she has a business called Replated and she has uh you know reusable lunch boxes for takeaways I mean it's just all these little things that are genius um and and small little steps that you know people can take it's kind of like I attribute it to the the shopping bags and, you know, 10 years ago when you went to a supermarket, you didn't take your bags, you know, you just kind of used the plastic bags that were there. And then gradually we started using our own bags. But now it's it's almost criminal to walk into a supermarket without having you, your bags on you, your take-home shopping bags. And I think that part of these steps um, that people take individually are going to drive a bigger change. Yeah, I mean, I do definitely feel like a criminal if I forget my cloth bags in the supermarket. But at the same time, I do notice that the stuff that I put in my cloth bags is largely coated in plastic. So, I mean, you do your little bits and it's fantastic. But how do you feel about the, you know, what sort of, I guess, regulatory or legislative change would you like to see that, you know, makes these little steps compulsory and turns them into big steps for all. Yeah, and the, the, uh, the plastics debate is one that's, that, you know, is fraught with danger because in some aspect plastic is actually great in, in keeping food longer uh, than it would be if it was sitting on a shelf. So the problem with plastic comes when we throw it uh, in the waterways or, uh, you know, on the street. Um, but plastic that's recyclable is, um, you know, it has its purpose in, in maintaining food. I think um, for me one of the things that I've been reading about is tax incentives for businesses that are that are adopting changes for the better um, and one of those is, you know, a food waste tax that, you know, where a business is diverting their food waste, be it via composting or, or repurposing, reselling. Um, where possible. I think that's a really interesting piece for the government to consider. I think, uh, you know, 
I suppose in time we always look at government to make change, but at the, ult- at the end of the day, you know, the change has to come from people and, and the government then reacts to the people's demands um, in, 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 in some respect. So I think we also have to orchestrate change and be prepared to be the ones to have the voice that makes the government go, okay, this is what, you know, this is what people want, so we need to act on it, as opposed to sitting back and waiting for government to make the first move. Yeah, no, that's really powerful and, uh, you know, it makes us all accountable, which is which is so important. I suppose I, I feel that it has to come from both both directions, but, yeah, the government is supposed to be us anyway, so maybe it should all be part of this or it can all be part of the same thing. Um yeah. I, I mean, I know that there are, um, I'm pretty sure I've heard of jurisdictions where, yeah, food waste is almost illegal. Like it's so frowned upon that, um, that yeah, you just, you're forced to think differently about the things that you may or may, may otherwise have put in the bin. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, well, it's very inspiring. Um, can you give us one more food waste hack? to send us on our way, Natalie. Yeah, my favourite is the strawberries and I've noticed a lot of them in the market uh, when I went in, popped in before. We soak our strawberries in vinegar, uh, pat them dry and then put them in the fridge uh, on some paper towel and they last a lot longer than just sitting in their container. Wow, that's so good. And they just, so they don't taste vinegary? No, they don't. No, and they last a lot longer. And the, the the reason being is the vinegar actually washes off all of the bacteria on them. Wow. Okay, this is definitely my new thing. I love that. <laughs> um, all right. Well, thanks for cluing us into Forkful. Thank you for my strawberry tip. And yeah, send people away with uh, refreshed bread as well. Um, great, to, great to have you on the show, Natalie. Thanks so much. Thanks, Danny. Thanks so much. Thank you. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This.